Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, this is the uh, fifth in a five-part uh, series on uh, the Lord's Prayer, sort of designed to be able to, you can take each one independently, so if this is your first one here, don't, don't feel uh, left out or like you're having to catch up, um, but if you do feel like you're having to catch up, then let me know afterwards, because I would need to tweak that a little bit uh, going forward. Um, so we've talked about, um, <laughs> we've talked about uh, how the the Lord's Prayer orients us to God. Yeah, just let the little children come to me. That, that'll be that, that'll be that'll be fun. Um, get those kids out of here. What are they? Yeah. Um, so so the the Lord's Prayer orients us to God and aligns us uh, with His will. Uh, but first, and there's there's three petitions. Um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Um, no, that would be, uh, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done. Those are three petitions ordering us to God. Then three petitions uh, really about our own needs, which is opposite. Sort of we come to God just uh, with our own needs first and, and without aligning ourselves and sort of focusing on Him to begin with. So that's, that's instructive. But, but of course, the, the Lord does give us these prayers, these petitions for uh, ourselves. And the first, of course, is uh, give us our daily breads for our physical needs. Uh, and then the, right off the bat, spiritual needs, forgiveness. Um, and our forgiveness and our need to forgive uh, other people. Uh, and then having been um, sort of cleansed and forgiven of our sin uh, and understanding the weight of uh, that is lifted from us in, in forgiveness, uh, the, the Christian wants uh, a holy life. Uh, for themselves, to honor God, to uh, to free themselves from the things that ensnared them before. And so we pray, uh, lead us uh, not into temptation, but deliver us uh, from evil. So we, we've seen the physical needs, we've seen the spiritual needs met, and now we're, we've, we've got future needs, sort of an eye to the future. We know the world we, uh, uh, the world we live, live in, we are uh, sure what's going to meet us around the corner. Now we don't know what's, how it's going to meet us around the corner, we don't know what way we're going to confront evil or temptation, um, but is evil from the outside or is evil from the inside? But we know it's, it's going to happen in our lives and probably uh, fairly soon. And so we're asking the Lord to be a part of that, uh, to lead us and to guide us. Um, so we, we've um, one, one commentator is interesting noted that um, that in this prayer, these three petitions for ourselves, we see. Um, God the Father providing for our needs, so that's uh, the the prayer for daily bread. Uh, all all that there is comes from from God above. We're, we're told. Um, then we pray for forgiveness. That's given in the atone, atonement of Jesus Christ, and then the guidance uh, comes in the Holy Spirit. And so we see just a, a trinitarian Christian uh, prayer. Uh, I think I mentioned before that uh, I was talking to a friend before um, the series began about uh, the Lord's Prayer. And he said, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing really Christian. He was talking about uh, the Lord's Prayer in another another context. Um, and somebody had a, 
he knew somebody who I guess was Jewish or something and didn't didn't want to pray the uh, the Lord's Prayer because it was the Lord's Prayer and he was saying that you know there's nothing really specifically Christian about it um, and because it, it was taught by Jesus but it doesn't it doesn't address Jesus but it really does because it's our, he's our Father and we're only um, we're only um, children of God through Jesus Christ and so that's how that's so that's a specifically the whole thing is specifically Christian but then here in this these petitions for ourselves we see uh, a, a trinitarian substance and you know I, I, I didn't make that up I kind of um, well I don't think this commentary commentator made it up either but uh, he noticed it and, and I, I found that uh, helpful but the questions as we uh, address um, temptation and uh, and evil, Oh, the uh, I, there's a few. I, I kind of went back and forth. How do I, how do I go through it systematically? Uh, lead us uh, not into temptation. I actually think it's going to be the, make the most sense if we go backwards. So, um, so we're going to talk about evil uh, first. And in, in, typically in, in this class, truth and life, it's it's conversational. So if you have uh, thoughts about it, um, please. If you have insights or um, just want to share, then, then that's fine. Especially about temptations, I want to hear all about the things you're tempted with. So, um, just so, right, right, right. Well, it's just so I so I know how to better pray for you, you know, right? So, um, okay. The um, uh, the word here, deliver us from evil. It 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 is it is appropriately translated uh, in it as it is, deliver us from evil, or deliver us from the evil one. It's just as, just as appropriately translated uh, that way. And, um, and most of the commentators that I uh, tend to read and, t- and tend to agree with lean, lean in that uh, direction, not evil as a nebulous sort of force out there, but actually sourced in a person, uh, in the evil one, in uh, Satan. Um, Peter uh, writes, uh, Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Um, and now he says, he goes on to say, resist. This is 1 Peter 5, 8. Uh, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this. And I kind of noticed for the first time that it doesn't say he's going around eating people up. That he is seeking uh, for someone uh, to devour. Um, one thing to, to to think about is that that Satan is not God's counterpart. It's not like God against Satan. I think Satan would like us to think that, and I think Satan would like to posture himself that way. Uh, although Satan would probably like us to think that he doesn't exist altogether, but he's not God's counterpart. He's Gabriel's counterpart. counterpart. Uh, so he's not Jesus' counterpart, because Jesus, Jesus is God. But he's he was an angel, and he it was a fallen angel. Uh, he he was uh, so he is completely subject uh, to God. And, and where where do we see where do we see Satan in Scripture being completely subject? Uh, there's a, a the particular story, Job. Job, in the story of Job, and you see, um, it, the story says that that Job had. Um, I mean, uh, that God had a meeting, basically, and Satan showed up. Because it was a meeting of, of sort of the angels and things like that. And 
Satan, God says, what are you doing here? He said, where, where have you been, is what he says. And uh, Satan says, I, I've been basically what Peter says, prowling around looking for someone to devour. And God says, well, have you seen my man Job? Now, I'd, that scares the heck out of me. Although I, um, I tend to think that that I probably, I, I don't know that I'm going to make that list. Have you thought, have you seen my man Joe Gibbs? You know, he's just so <laughs> righteous. And, you know, um, I, I sure would be nice uh, to be on that list. Uh, but, and Satan says, um, say, well, of course, of course, uh, he's righteous. You've given him everything. He has this incredible family. He's got all the wealth that he could imagine. And, and God says, we'll, we'll take it away from him. And Satan says, he's, he's going to curse you to your face. He says, let's, let's see. So Job's out there one day, and he, uh, this guy comes, uh, comes riding along and, and says, oh my gosh, uh, your family, they were all eating together, and a giant wind blew down the, um, the house, and they were all killed, and I'm the only one who's escaped, and I've come to tell you about it. And, uh, and then as they're talking... Uh, somebody comes up and says something like, your, your fields have all burned down and all your servants were burned up in it and I'm the only one who escaped and I've come to tell you about it. And there's just a series of things like that. And Jacob, uh, Job falls down and says, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I, came, I, I will return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so Satan kind of slumps back and God says, Told you. And Satan says, well, yeah, but, I mean, he's healthy. You know, he's got his health. And so God says, don't kill him, but you can take his health too. And Job, so Job breaks out, and, and this is, this, that's, a, that's a bad week. And, um, and, and this is all at the hand of Satan, but God clearly allowed it. Now, what, what was Satan seeking to do in doing all of this? Have Job dishonor God. Have Job dishonor God. That's right. Now, people talk about the patience of Job. Job does get very frustrated. He gets very frustrated. He does not curse God, but he, is, he, he wants to know why this is going on. And he gets very upset. And then he has these friends that are, you know, great friends. They, um, first of all, his wife says, just curse God and die. And, um, and he says, I'm not going to do it. And his friends come by and say, well, you must have done something to, to deserve this. And Job says, I mean, basically proclaims his innocence. And at the very end of Job, um, what we see is really about the, it's, this is about the repentance of a righteous man, not a sinful man. Um, he, he, he was not a sinful. Somebody said that um, he had gone through a period of, of great suffering and he thought he was like, you know, this is, this is like Job. And another guy, it was a men's breakfast, he said, yeah, I used to think I was like Job too. And then I read it and he said he's a righteous man. But um, he, the guy just kind of like, oh, well, maybe. But um, So God comes back and he, doesn't ever, he never tells Job why he why Job went through it. Job never hears the story of Satan in the throne room and God bragging on him and all of this. God basically just says, who are you to question my sovereignty? It seems kind of harsh. But Job repents. 
And then he's, he's restored. Satan wanted to take glory away from the Lord, right? To get Job and his heart away from God, to discourage Job's faith. And yet, some people say Job is, is I mean, it is unbelievably um, sophisticated and nuanced. Some people say it's the, it's the earliest writing in all of Scripture. Um, thousands of years old. And since Job's story, millions of people have been encouraged uh, to wait on the Lord, uh, to be patient in suffering, uh, to trust in God's sovereignty and His goodness. And so the very thing which Satan sought to achieve, the, the opposite was accomplished. Satan is completely subject to God. He is, uh, he is an adversary uh, but he is, um, he is, he is not a god in in with opposing forces. He he is, uh, he is an angel on on that level. In fact, our our uh, epistle lesson today. I don't know if you heard about it, uh, read it closely. That Jesus Jesus is far superior to the angels. So nothing that Satan can do or accomplish, if it's given over to the Lord, um, uh, can can stand. Which is not to say that you won't suffer, but it is to say that God is good and He is sovereign. And that He, you know, that's, that is the glory and the majesty of Romans 8.28, isn't it? That, that all things work to the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Somehow, in His majesty, God takes those awful circumstances in our lives and works them for great glory, good for us, and glory for Him. How does that work? I, I, don't, I don't know. But for the elect, remember that Job was faithful, that he was for the elect, for those who are in the family of God, God takes even the works of Satan and actually accomplishes the opposite for his good, uh, the, op- the opposite of what Satan was trying to accomplish. Any thoughts or pushback or wonderment about that? Go ahead, Frank. I wouldn't begin to put a number on that. You would think so. I think I think the story of Job really instructs us. Uh, I mean, you know, there's Old Testament. You know, my ways are higher than you know your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And and he he says I I I work good and I work calamity. Um. We're going to get into just a minute about tempting and testing and how, how those sort of two sides of the same coin. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't begin to say that's common or not common, that God directs Satan to an individual. I would say that it would have to be consistent with his character so such that I would say that probably in... Um, you know, it, even, even discipline, even, even things that seem awful are going to be used for good for those who love the Lord. 
And so, so all the evil that happens has God's permission. I would say it has to. Think about it, the story of Joseph as well. Mm-hmm. What you meant yes, evil, right. he said to his brothers. Yeah. God meant for good. And he went through years of of intense suffering. I mean, it turned out okay. He got to, you know he lived in a pretty nice house at the end, but um, it uh, it was what he what what ended what went. Joseph went through intense suffering and isolation, separation, and slavery, and mistreatment, and, and um, misaccusation, and um, just all sorts of things. The hands because of the just one decision that his brothers made, and yet God used that in order to um, to work incredible good. So um, I, I don't know what in your life you can uh, what good thing you can trace back to something that seemed. Uh, crazy. Um, some of the uh, uh, there, I'm going. Uh, you, you have heard me before, and you know that I listen listen to and read Tim Keller a good bit. Uh, he tells this great story, uh, or just sort of chain of events. He said, "You know why he was he's talking, he's preaching? He said, you know why you're sitting here tonight? Have you heard heard of this one? Where he says he says why why are we here? Where we're here tonight? Because I, I planted a church. Did I already tell the story? Is that why you, you just heard it? Uh, he said, so we're here tonight because we planted a, 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 this church 18 years ago. And, uh, and why do we plant that church? Well, it's because we're part of a denomination that, um, that really put an emphasis on church planting in metropolitan areas. He's in New York City. Um, but why are we part of that denomination? It's because I had a seminary professor who really convinced me that I was a Presbyterian uh, theologically. And so we, uh, we, um, we joined that denomination. But why was he there? It's because uh, he, was ha- he was British and he had missed his visa, um, and uh, his, there was having a problem with his paperwork, and he wasn't going to get to the seminary, and there happened to be a student there named Mike Ford, whose, um, whose father was Gerald Ford, and, uh, and Mike Ford was prayer partners with the dean of the seminary, and, um, and the dean was, said, well, I, you know, I don't know how to, um, I, I don't know what to do about this, and he said, well, you know, I, I know a guy. And so, um, so, so he calls his dad, and it, it goes through. Well, well, how is Gerald Ford in office to make that happen? Uh, Watergate. <laughs> and how did Watergate happen? Because the security guard noticed that the guys who had gone in left the door cracked open two inches. He said, if that, if if they had closed the door, we wouldn't be here tonight. You know, I just think that's. I mean, it, and so people are, you know, they're laughing aware. But it's, you know, God uses these awful, crazy things. We don't know how he's going to do it. There's no way we can, we can see the complexity, the vast complexity of God's plan. And I, w- I would imagine that you can um, look to, even if you're not able to see it, some, the, the incredible, incredibly good things in, in your life are in some way rooted to things that are really horrible. Um, I can remember a, a, a woman at St. John's whose uh, son had, had been killed. And uh, in, in a car wreck, and you know, to this point, I've, I've never gone through that, and I, I pray that I never do. Some of you may uh, have been through that. And I just remember, and there, there, so there was, it was about three years after that happened, and I gave a sermon on the on um, Jesus raising the the child from the dead, it was the son, the woman. They could see the son coming, the, the Paul coming out, and the son is is uh, on the thing, and, and she raised from the dead. And she, I mean, she was you know, puffy, and at the end of the sermon, she like ran out. And um, great, you know. And so, um, 
And she came up to me afterwards and she said, you know, there's just such holiness and suffering. Uh, and that's just stuck with me um, all, all these years. And she, she said, um, you know, there's a sense in which I would want Drew back, like, r- immediately. Like, r- I'd snap my fingers and, and I'd want him back. And yet there's also a sense that I wouldn't trade what I've been through for anything. Uh, there's just a goodness. There's a holiness. I and mean, maybe not a, maybe goodness isn't, isn't the right word, but there's a holiness about that. Just because, because she rested in the Lord through, through all of that. And, and all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Now, if she didn't rest in the, if she, you know, I've, I've seen it too, and you probably have too, that people didn't rest in the Lord, and, and, and it, was, it was not their great glory, their suffering, that it was something that they resented and hated all their life. And, um, and I don't know how that stuff plays out. Um, but... But, you know, for, for Job and for us, um, in the majesty of God's redemption, the thing that Satan sought to accomplish um, actually accomplished the opposite for God's great glory. So, um, so evil. And we, want, we want to be delivered from evil. Um, God gets to choose how we're delivered from evil. Um, hopefully it's that we never you know we cut it off before it happens um, and from the evil one but um, but if God doesn't allow, if God allows it into our life then we can trust that God will use it and, and that's why um, James says um, count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces st- steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay. So that's, that's James 1. Um, so was, James, James, was Job tempted or tested? He was tested. What about when his, um, in his heart of hearts he, he, you know, he wanted to curse God? Is that temptation? Or is it, why do you think it's testing? I, didn't, I just don't think that, that there was a temptation. God was testing his faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was tempting his faith. Right. To me, he was testing his faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you're right. Except that in Greek, now, Job was written in um, Hebrew or Aramaic, is much more ancient than that, but in Greek, tempting and testing are the same, it's the same word. It's the same word. Different nuance. Different nuance for sure. The word wanted. He wanted to. He said Job wanted to. Doesn't that imply temptation? Well, yeah, it would. It would. Temptation comes from your own desires. Sure. Sure. But I can't see that he desired any of that. Certainly, he didn't desire. No, he wasn't tempted into losing his family and his flocks and all that. Sure. Yeah. Right. It just, yeah. Well, it bubbled up. I mean, some of that. We don't. We don't say, "Gosh, you know what I really want today? I'm choosing to be tempted by this this vice." What is vice testing me? It's really a matter of perspective, isn't it? Is it temptation? Uh, is it testing? 
Is it evil or is it good? I think that we can only even guess about that in retrospect. And even when we are, um, even even when we are when we are tempted, temptation can be a test. Um, I don't think we're we're tempted to be tested, but we're certainly tested in the temptation. Uh, that's why it's it's the same word. You know, it's not the same word in, in English, and we think we're, there's a there's a, a distance between the way we think of those words, but but in in, in Greek they they were the same. It's just a, a nuance of a different thing. If, yeah. If sin is in our DNA, as um, as was said this morning, is Satan the source of all sin sinfulness? Well, is Satan the source of all sinfulness? Uh, certainly, Satan conjured that up in our first parents uh, in the garden, and um, and enticed that. Uh, theologians have always uh, said that there's three things, three categories of things that, that uh, pull us away from the Lord, and that's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so they've made a distinction between uh, the world's desires, the desires of our own sinful hearts, and, and Satan himself. Um, in fact, that's in even in our, um, in, our in the book of prayer and the catechism in the back, and, and in our baptismal um, uh, service, we, we make make those distinctions as well. So, um, so I would say that no. A lot of times when you say you know the devil made me do it, well, it's actually just you know it's a part of your own sinful heart. Now the devil does lie to us. I think. I think the devil not maybe not audibly, but you know speaking to us, but just sort of that that thought that maybe you know, entered our mind and didn't. You know, have you read the Screw Tape Letters? You know, it's the 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 devil on the shoulder, kind of whispering in your ear. It's not an audible voice, but it's just you think it's your thoughts, but it's not. Um, you know, I always think about um, you know, miscommunication in marriage, just because it happened that one time, and um, the uh, um, and and just um, you know, when I'm saying something and she's saying something, and we're actually trying to say the right thing and something to bless one another, it comes across totally awful. You know, probably. That never happens. It doesn't. Well, <laughs> praise God and um, and be thankful because that is not good when it does. So if you're not saying that and I'm not saying that, who's saying that? So maybe I mean you know, but but it, it just in, it incites it incites us. Um, is it is it um, is it God testing us? Is it is it the Lord tempting us? Um, or is it just the sinful desires of, of our hearts? Uh-huh. Yes, you know, I'm willing to say it could be all, all any, any, all, any or all of those at any one time. Interesting when when James uh, he begins his his epistle, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of, of many kinds. You know that the testing of your faith, trials, testing, those are that there's that word, uh, your testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Well, just a few verses later, verse 13, he says, "Let no one say when he is tempted that I'm being tempted by God." For God cannot be tempted with evil, and He Himself tempts no one. It's the same word. Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds, for the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. There are two different nuances. But it's the same word in the same context. Um, It's all in retrospect, I I think. Um, When when God does... uh, Temp, I mean, when uh, Satan does tempt us, we, we can be sure that it's not um, that it's not God, because James says so. 
But when Satan tempts us or entices the desires of our hearts, this is what James says, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, uh, brings forth death. So temptation, there's there's two um, major tools of, of the devil. Uh, and and this this is Tim Keller, and I wish I, um, it's a great sermon. You can get on podcast. It's called uh, Spiritual Warfare, but it's uh, is the name of the thing, and that's a, it's a great. It's about 35 minutes. A great great sermon. He says there's two main tools of the devil: accusation and there's temptation. Accusation is when you are overwhelmed by the holiness of God, and you believe that you'll never measure up. What you did was terrible. God is holy. You're gonna you can't measure up. You're overwhelmed with the holiness of God. Uh, but there's no grace. There's no love. Temptation, on the other hand, is you don't care about the holiness of God. It's all love. God will forgive me. God wants this good for me. I, I want this, so God must want this for me. And the holiness of God doesn't come into, um, in, into play in our lives. Um, so, so I just found that very helpful to think of temptation in the sense that when I'm tempted to something, where I'm tempted to anger, uh, where I you you may have your own temptations. I, I may I, you know in a in a family context at least for me a lot of uh, a lot of times my temptation is to um, is is to a negative reaction. I'm reactive and not proactive. I am um, snippy or uh, I'm hurt or. It, you know those temptations. There may be a fit, you know, sort of a sort of you know big sin. You know, we think of um, we used to tell you know young life when I was a young life leader to ministry to high school. You know, it's, it's drinking, smoking, and kissing, laying down. Those are big sort of um, you know big the big sins or whatever. You know, those are temptations or whatever. Um, but but you know <laughs> um, we are uh, there may be all sorts of of temptations um, and, and what other, but but. But psychological temptation is so so real. It's spiritual, really. Uh, a temptation to, to hatred, a temptation to pride, um, and there may be other things. I mean, I have you know uh, a particular friend who's alcoholic and and um, and in recovery. But but just man, I mean, the, the walking through that, the the you just you see temptation like in a whole different different light. Um, is it temptation? Is it testing? It's 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 both. Can God use it? Absolutely. Um, so so. First um, Corinthians ten thirteen says, uh, "No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man." And what that means is that uh, you're not alone. You, you you know that's another lie of the enemy. Um, it, so there's temptation, and then there's accusation, on, on top of that, um, that you're the only one going through this. No one, you know, nobody else understands what I'm going through, uh, the the depth of this. Uh, scripture says it right here. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Uh, but with the temptation, so there, there's a sense in which He allows it. With the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape. That you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, this is so important. 
not to, when I when I was when I was in young life in high school I memorized that verse verse 13 but so important verse 14 therefore my beloved flee from idolatry because the thing that overtakes us the thing that we are tempted is to take something and put it in the place of God that's that's the temptation it's not to be bad it's is to idolatry. Is to say, I need this. This is this thing is going to make me happy. This thing is going to satisfy me. We talked about. If you were here, we talked about that, and um, when we talked about um, that kingdom come, because it's it's the it's about the kingship uh, of God. So, um, so when you are tempted, uh, there is a way out. Scripture says so. Doesn't you know when I when I feel tempted to um, to to reaction. Then, um, then I have to remember, and I'm not saying I don't mean I I, I always do remember. I'm saying, <laughs> starting now, um, uh, that I have to remember that there is a way out. Um, there's a way out, and you know my child's um, obedience or my wife's doing things the way I want or whatever. Those those aren't things that are going to make me happy in the moment. I'm tempted to idolatry. I'm thinking those things are going to. That's the thing that's going to make me happy. Um, if I'm satisfied with the Lord, then I can I can move confidently into those into those situations with with grace. Um, any any thoughts? I mean, temptation is in terms of um, uh, holiness or idolatry or any, any, you don't want to talk about temptation. <laughs> <clears throat> Hmm. Well, d- interesting. That doubt is, a, in my mind, is a different one uh, because I, I generally encourage people to really embrace their doubt and to um, and to sit with it. You know, you walk in what you know. I I know I don't feel it right now, but I know that God is sovereign. And he's going to use this or. Um, and, and I'm going to trust what I know more than I trust what I feel. And yet, I'm going to. I, I know that there's there's a God there, even if I don't think it's bigger than, than these doubts. And I'm just I'm just going to sit with it. I don't think it does any good to pretend like we don't have doubts. I I, I encourage yeah. people to, to embrace them, yeah. um, and then work just work through them. So I, I don't think doubt is a sin. Uh, I mean I I'm sure uh, in Humans can find a way to make doubt sin, um, but um, but I don't I don't think it is inherently simple. Do you find it tempting though? I mean, yeah. that Satan can use your doubt as a tempting tool because the things are continually going on in your life that you continue to doubt. And yeah, sure, sure. I mean, I yeah, I don't want to. No, no, that's not how God works. Um, no, yeah, I no, I definitely uh, can can see that. Um, and all I can say is that, that God is bigger than that, and and that He, if you sit with it and work through it, sit in wise, sit in counseling or with wise counsel, um, journaling is really good. It's a journaling is a great way to pray when you don't 
when thinking or speaking out loud is, is feels like it's bouncing off the ceiling. Journaling is a way to kind of get it on paper, and I found I've found that really helpful because then you can kind of like you can kind of see it like oh well that doesn't make any sense you know like it just what feels so real doesn't when you look at it on paper doesn't really make much sense or it makes all the sense in the world and you just have now you have a place to put it and that, so I think that's really helpful. Um, but yeah I yeah I would say that um, I mean I. I some of the greatest Christians ever, I mean, have gone through big, extensive seasons of, of doubt. And um, and so just embrace it. But I, have, I do actually have some uh, resources that, that might be helpful. Um, so we can talk about that. Um, anything else about that? So the so the whole thing about we've talked about evil and we've talked about temptation. Um, so it begins with lead, lead us. And I think you could probably put a comma there. Lead us, comma, not to temptation, but deliver us from evils. So the whole thing is about it's submission to to the Lord. And so you have you've aligned yourself with God in this prayer. Um, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth. That's in me. Uh, as it is in heaven. So you want His will to be done, and so there, to that end, you are asking God to lead you. Uh, it's it's His it's it's um, and this this has traction in your workplace, uh, in your family, in your relationships. Uh, lead lead me. That's why this is such a great blessing over ourselves, over over our families. Uh, you know, lead us over over your colleagues at work. Lead us not into temptation. All the things that we were tempted. To take us uh, away from the Lord, uh, but deliver us uh, from evil. Uh, we want righteousness. We've been forgiven. Uh, we've we've had our trespass, our trespasses and our sins and our debts forgiven, and we want um, holiness because we have seen that. And so we're asking God to be the sovereign in our life. He's the King. Remember, this is His kingdom is coming. That's what we're what we're praying. Um, Jesus is the King. He, God is the King. They're the, he's on the throne. God is on the throne of our hearts. We're being led by the Holy Spirit. So, lead, Holy Spirit, uh, lead, lead us, lead us. Um, how can He lead us? Because His is the power. And why can He lead us? Because His is the kingdom, and it's all for His glory. Now, that doxology was. Is not in scripture. It's in some scripture. It's in it's in like the King James because there, because it was um, some some but not the best. But some manuscripts, some ancient manuscripts had had that doxology in there. Um, For thine is the kingdom and the power and, and the glory. Can you blame? Can you blame them? I mean, they were just the, the, these. You know, they add. It was added. It doesn't seem that Jesus in the earliest manuscripts it doesn't seem that Jesus. Uh, had that in the original prayer, but can you blame the people for adding it because they just wanted, you know, to say, lead us because you, it's your power, it's your kingdom, it's all for your, for your glory, forever and ever, amen. It's um, just a, just a really, um, I, I hope, I hope that that as we pray the Lord's prayer, um, <laughs> that's that's our second favorite teacher. Whatever, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it won't turn off. 
Out, yeah, good, good, good. Well, let's just listen. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, well, deliver us, Lord, deliver us. Um, all right. So, so it's really it's this is a, this is a, this is about the direction of our lives, and and if we um and that's the whole that's the whole prayer, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. I mean that's um this is. You lead us. We want the direction of our lives to go in your direction. Uh, when we when we mess up, when we take it back, and our lives aren't going in your direction, redeem it so that it has been your plan all along. I don't know how that works, but it is God's sovereignty. It is God's amazing, amazing grace that um, that covers us and protects us. We pray um, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven, um, and so we pray for His direction. Uh, in our lives, um, I, I, the passage I've had open the whole time is Jesus's temptation, um, and you know he was he was tempted as as a man, and all of creation, all of redemptive history, uh, hung in the balance. He was tempted with with power and glory. And um, and that's and yet what what did he what did he use? So many more things we could say. What did he use to overcome temptation? Scripture. And so, I mean, you can imagine. I mean, could you say, well, he that's not fair because he wasn't he wasn't tempted because he was God. I mean, he had the power. But he was really tempted as a man. In fact, Hebrews says that he was tempted in every way as we are, and yet was without sin. He was tempted as a man. He, I believe, uh, and I, you know, I may be wrong, but I think it's not really it's it's not a fair game to say he he couldn't have said yes. Um, he was tempted and yet was without sin. And the answer is not to say so. You go out there and and don't don't sin. The answer is to say, uh, come, Lord Jesus, you lead us and. And you, in your perfection, uh, let us uh, lead us uh, that we might glorify you. So, uh, but Scripture is 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 key and feed on it, so that when you're tempted, you can come back and say, you know, the Bible says, "Flee from lust," or the Bible says to um, look at the look, look at the plank in my own eye instead of um, the speck in my brother's eye, or whatever it is that is going to fit your situation perfectly. Mm-hmm. Person, we, that we can't uh, a lot of times discern even discern evil mm-hmm. um, in the paths that we're going and what we think and interpret as being good may actually not be good one because we are so at a core mm-hmm. selfishly mm-hmm. centered right um, and uh, anyway Theological dissertation to share. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, well, the heart is deceitful. A, you know. Yeah. Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, do not be conformed to world, be transformed by the renewing of your mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. that you may prove what the will of God is. And uh, just how much our minds need to be renewed, that culturally, traditionally, you know, what have you, we're, there's things that are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, things that our culture calls good and we never question can be against. So what we need is, is is God to make us holy according to his will on earth as it is in heaven. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God.